deceptive manipulative. Is also a former social worker and a political campaign activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Eerie Americas. This is Vicky Ayala. What's up, people? This is Christy Hull. How you doing? Hello. I have been waiting to talk to everyone about this because I feel like I'll di- I discover things even like way after people do, and I still feel like I'm super special when I discover it. But Hispanic people tend to not do things that are shortcuts in the kitchen. Like it took yep. me years to get a crock pot. We don't do rice cookers. Like, that's just not what we do because that's not the way we grow up, like, cooking. And it's, like, really, when I got a crock pot, my mom made fun of me. We struggle because we feel like that's part of the experience. You're supposed to, like, do everything. Like, the first time my mom saw sofrito, which is, you know, something we used to cook, in the store, she was like, that's not sofrito. You're supposed to make it. And I'm like, woman, I don't have time. Exactly. I bought an air fryer. I know people have been using it forever. I don't really care. I finally buckled down and bought an air fryer, and I am obsessed. I have sent Christy and a bunch of other people... A picture of every one of my meals because I've made all of this shit and fuck the fucking air fryer. I am literally obsessed with my air fryer. If you don't have an air fryer, please buy one. Yeah, and I really want to get one once my financial drought ever ends for me. But our friend who helped us create the website, Marlon Almonte, he is the reason. He I is the reason one. we're both obsessed with it because he fo- has a really big social media following. He does a ton of stuff. He's like a Renaissance man. It's really not fair. It's like unfair. He's unfair how talented he is. But aside from that, he also does quarantine, like cooking channels. Yeah, he's Marlin's Kitchen. Every single time I watch something from his, I want a new appliance. Like he had that, he has like that can opener that doesn't, that you can recle- reseal. And I told Charlie about it. I was oh, like, yeah. Marlin used I wanted it. one too. And he made everyone want an air fryer because now I want an air fryer because. Our whole group chat got an air yeah. fryer. Like I swear. He should honestly promote because. On, he like ten people, paid. yeah, ten people alone I know bought an air fryer just watching him cook because it looked like our real authentic Hispanic food, but it looked less greasy. And we, as a generation, are trying to get better than our parents about like grease and stuff. So oh, yeah. it was that, a that, big and that was deal. One of my driving forces, because you know how much I love to make empanadas. Empanadas do not love me as much as I They're love so them. They're so greasy. And it's like, I have to find a way to make these and not be so greasy. And the air fryer is the way. So so far, I have made chicken. And one thing I hate about chicken and putting it in the oven is it tends to get dry. Like, that's just what chicken does. So good. So juicy. Even the next day, it was great. And my husband's not someone who loves leftover chicken. He doesn't love a lot of things. I made him chicken salad two days in a row, and he was he loved it. He had some more chicken today with rice. He loved it. Amazing. And But the thing that I love about it is, you know... I know people think because, um, like, we're home that we're not busy. I'm still super busy. I'm still working. Still have the podcast, still doing research. So, you know, I don't necessarily want to spend an hour and a half cooking. That salmon, and I only cooked it for myself. I threw one piece of salmon in there during my lunch break, 10 minutes. You sent me the picture. It looked so damn good. 10 minutes and my meal was done. And I was just like, this is why I, and I'm, I'm, so I'm sorry to all my ancestors, but I don't have time. Welcome to 2020. There is healthy, delicious alternatives. But you know what? We've been talking about this for three minutes and there is something way more important. Drum roll, please. After so many years and so many nightmares and so many times of having to edit so much loud sounds from Vicky's end, she's moving. Woo! Yep, we have a friend that's, that's more important get than us. the air fryer. 
into, <laughs> well, I'm going to bring my air fryer with me to my new apartment. It's not confirmed which apartment yet, but I know I'm going to move and I'm super excited because you guys have no idea how much I hate my fucking apartment. But Christy knows how much I hate my apartment because before we record every day, I every, hate her apartment. Every, I can tell you guys, every, we have done, I don't even know how many, 50 episodes at this point. I can tell you that before every episode, I bitch about my apartment because I hate it so much. But I will tell you why I hate this apartment so much. I love Brooklyn and I love living here. However, my apartment is very, very small for way too much money. It is a fourth floor walk up that my dog doesn't even want to walk up the stairs anymore. And you can hear every bit of noise. And I'm sure you guys know that because no matter what Christy does, she can't edit out all of the sounds. She lives on the major intersection where there's just nothing but chaos at all times. Our walls are apparently made of paper. So I think Christy's happier than I am that I'm getting the fuck out of here. So excited. You have no idea, guys. And not only that, too, of course, I can sympathize because I was excited this time last year to move out. But I feel like I'm doing it all over again because weirdly enough, Vicky's in my apartment were eerily similar. Like we have the same exact structures, same issues, same sound noises, same barriers, same annoying neighbors, just in a different part of the town. So yep. it's, it's literally like I'm I'm thrilled for her. So. I'm really kind of, excited. This about is that. literally like the way Christy. Well, I reacted when Christy finally said she was moving to Colorado <laughs> because yeah. we're I'm so sick excited. of it here. And you're just moving. Like you're still staying in the same neighborhood. You're just. It's moving. funny because I'm only moving like four blocks away, so I get to keep <laughs> it's my dog's make a bed. World of a difference, though. But it if really you guys is. have no idea what a difference it is to move to, like, I'm only moving like four blocks away, and it's already bigger and quieter and much more convenient. Luckily, we're in a position financially where we can just buy new stuff. I don't even have to bring half the shit. But let me tell you something. This apartment that I live in is so small that I've gotten rid of so many things that I love or not bought things that I wanted just to make sure because I have no damn room here. And this apartment was perfect when I moved in because I moved in when I was not dating Ryan yet. Well, I was dating Ryan, but we weren't serious. We weren't married. We weren't anything. I moved into this apartment. I actually didn't even have my dog yet. My dog, I got my dog with my ex and my ex had my dog. So it was literally just me. And the apartment was perfect for just me. But now we have My big, huge dog slash horse because she's huge. She's massive. And it's just like small and unfair to her. So I'm excited to get into a new space. And not to mention it's small and unfair to, you know, the human Ryan that lives with you. But yeah, yeah. him too. Like whatever. Um, (laughs) But like, I'm just excited to get into a new space. I feel like quarantine has taught me that I need more space. Like I probably wouldn't be so bad if I just had more space. You just need to change the scenery sometimes. And I would love to get up and move to Colorado with Christy, but that's not an option at the moment. But at least I can move to an apartment where Christy doesn't have to edit out the sounds of cars driving over potholes. I will get all my friends here someday. That's the plan. It's Christy's main goal in life to get all of us there. Like she's like, I want everyone I give a shit about out of that festering hole into She's just the like, beautiful so how country do you guys with all me. feel about coming to Colorado for this? How do you, like, literally you could tell, like, how do you feel about coming to Colorado? Because it's Monday. What are you and coming like, for a visit? She, she's really like, like, she's going to get us all there. And I'm if going, it's not Colorado, it's going to be close. Like, she's going to yeah. get all of us to the West Coast. That's it. I, I just feel like it. Goals. She's going to get us all over there. But yeah, I'm super stoked for you. I'm super happy. It's funny because you guys know I always get my stories from Reddit. My Reddit app has crashed and I don't know why. And I deleted it from my phone and it will not open. And I had to go. I had to steal Christie's website, Phantoms and Monsters, so I can have something for this episode. Yeah, Reddit. What's going on? Come on. We love you. Don't do this to us. Hot mess. I just randomly picked some. You know what? Every single headline on Phantoms and Monsters looks creepy. So I just clicked on whatever the hell was put up today because that's 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 kind of how creepy it is. 
It says sparsely furred humanoid encountered in eastern Kentucky backyard. Sounds like the kind of thing you would encounter in Kentucky. My cousin actually, her mom is from Kentucky. They've she's born and raised in Brooklyn. She's as Brooklyn is it as the it Hispanic gets. Hispanic side or the white side? White side. I was about to say I'm like because I have someone on my Puerto Rican side that lives in that lives in Kentucky, and I'm like, is there another family member Hispanic person? She has family out there, and they were visiting, so it's funny. I was just like, and they're totally like what you envision Kentucky, like that's where they <laughs> live. So I wonder if this is. It's cool. sad we can picture it in our head. If any of you are from Kentucky, we're, we're not trying to. We love everybody. I mean, they don't have major like. There's like maybe Lexington is like a big city, but you know, Kentucky is like mainly rural. It's beautiful. It's it's really gorgeous, but I can totally see a humanoid out there. That's all I'm saying. I, yeah, I feel like if you were a humanoid, you'd probably want to go to Kentucky. You, you wouldn't want to come here. Even a humanoid wants more space. I so. thought I'd share my mom's humanoid experience. I'll start this off by sharing that her home and my childhood home is definitely loaded with paranormal activity. So we all know the humanoids head into the house of paranormal activity. My mom's home is situated in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains. She has one neighbor. I don't know what that's like. Her mother, And it's her mother-in-law. There are no houses elsewhere around hers, just beautiful mountains. That sounds like Christie's dream right there. Oh, uh, kind of. Yeah, I'd want a few more neighbors than that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably all of us. One night, her dog was barking, crying, and growling. She just wouldn't stop. My mom was a tad confused as there wasn't any outside noises that she herself could hear, and her dog was pacing to the doors and the windows. After about an hour, she decided to grab her flashlight, and go outside to make sure everything was okay and that there wasn't any animals messing with her trash bins. She figured her dog was picking up the smell of a raccoon or other nocturnal animal. She scanned her yard and the creek and didn't see anything out of place. No animals and her trash hadn't been tipped over. As she turned to go back inside, that's when she saw it. I will give the best description that I can from her explanation to me as I've never seen it myself and I hope I never do. It was standing on its hind legs. Its back legs looked like looked animal-like, and its front looked more human. It wasn't hairless, but looked as if it had mange with long fur here and there. The top half looked like a humanoid man, with the lower half looking like an animal. She stood paralyzed with fear, shining her light on it. It looked at her, and then it started walking on all fours, out of her yard and into the mountains. As it did, it stopped and looked back at her, then finally disappeared into the darkness. Her second encounter wasn't as intense, but worth mentioning either way. It was weeks later when her dog began acting out again. She tries her best now not to go outside once the sun goes down. She turned her lights off inside and looked out her kitchen window. With the light from her yard, she was able to see it in her backyard again. Although it was further away from her and not as detailed. She said it had the same shape and look and she knew instantly it was the same thing she saw just weeks earlier and it ran chills down her spine. She said she closed her eyes and let go of her blinds for what felt like several minutes, and when she opened her eyes and pulled down the blinds to look back out again, it was gone. She said it took everything in her to open those blinds back up and look out. For weeks following, she would shoot her gun off right at the edge of the dark. Now, anytime her dog acts out, she will scan her yard and then step out on the porch with the back door still open just in case and shoot her gun a couple of times. She hasn't encountered it again. This took place in eastern Kentucky and happened in the summer of 2019. I will talk to my mom later tonight and ask her if there are any other details on its appearance that I've missed. It's been a while since I brought it up to her, as it makes her scared come nightfall, and she'll call and keep me on the phone later than usual. So I will keep following up with this. I want to know if she sees this fucking kryptonite, this humanoid thingy again. See, those are the stories that make me doubt whether I want to live, like, outside of the city. Because that shit would not happen here. That's one thing I can tell you. You're not going to look out and see Even in Denver, where I live, hear those kinds of stories. Like, the craziest thing you might see is, like, a raccoon, you know? So it's kind of, like, you wouldn't get that even here. But, like, the places we're looking into buy property or land, rather, 
yeah, I can totally see that happening. So thanks for that one. That was good. Actually, I got inspired by our mutual best friend and partially Vicky because part of this whole process is just pass some time. You know, you want to find something that is entertaining for you. Maybe you're sick of TV. Maybe you're sick of reading. There's only so much outside you can do with very limited restrictions and things like that. So I kind of thought about what we haven't covered and I thought about gaming. So this is actually a gamer episode because um, Vicky and our friend has been doing a lot of Switch. So you guys have been yeah, talking we about bought, it. We got, we got Nintendo Switch lights. My husband games a lot. He actually has a Twitch and I have I have a Switch. One pastime that I personally have grown out of but still find the culture itself fascinating is gaming. Granted, the last console I purchased was probably when now middle school children were born. And I've had my issues with gamers themselves from growing up with a brother hogging the only TV to play Grand Theft Auto to being traumatized by an ex who literally forgot about me to play WoW at times. I respect the dedication and effort that some people take it to. It is such a huge part of society that people have been able to make serious cash in all the name of being the best at whichever game they master. Many people, including parents, believe that video games expand the imagination, give children the opportunity to work together and sharpen cognitive skills. The downside to this very lucrative yet addictive digital sport is the toll it may take. When people spend most of their time playing video games at the cost of schoolwork, exercise, family events, or school activities, the benefits of gaming seem less certain, not to mention gaming addiction. While the thought may seem funny or amusing, people have lost their lives to their favorite games either through faults of their own or as a result of the game or game addiction. Here are a few cases that may make you want to put down your console, PC, VR, phone, whatever it is you use. So the first case, found this on Wikipedia. In 2007, 16-year-old Daniel Petrick was a hard gamer, as some might say. He was suffering from gamer's addiction so badly, it went to a point where he is now a convicted murderer, all because of a ban from playing his game of choice. Daniel Petrick was born on August 24th, 1991, and he's from Wellington, Ohio. Daniel was actually an athletic person growing up. He loved sports. He was said that he was always out throwing the football, riding his bike, anything active he was really into. Unfortunately, he was injured in a snowboarding accident and contracted staph infection, so he became housebound and was unable to participate in energetic activities. Daniel was then cooped up in the house and turned to video games to replace sports. Daniel was introduced to the Halo franchise while visiting his friend's house, leaving him to want a copy for himself. I understand these games are addictive, but Daniel started playing about 18 hours a day. From the time he woke up to the time he went to bed, he was playing video games without food and little to no sleep. About Halo, Daniel said, quote, it was a way to forget about everything going on in escape. And as a teenager that's injured, I can understand that appeal. You know, you don't have your, you throw yourself into everything because you don't have to work. You don't have to worry about the day-to-day activities so you can focus on something and you tend to hyper-focus when you're a teenager. So I can understand that aspect of it, just to want the escape element. If denied their will, most teens would be pissed, say a few harsh words and fester in their rage, but not Daniel. On October 20th of 2007, Daniel shot both of his parents. His mother was killed in the attack while his father was badly injured, but he managed to make a recovery. When Daniel was asked why he did it, his response was chilling and detached. Quote, at the end of every level or game, everything would reset. So he was so far gone that he kind of lived his life like it was going to reset. Right. It didn't register what he had actually done. Daniel said he does not say it was the video game's fault that he killed his mother and hospitalized his father, but it was a cause. The argument between Daniel and his parents began when they forbade Daniel from buying and playing the game Halo 3 due to their beliefs that the content of the video was too extreme and a tone for a boy of his age. His father, Mark Petrick, was a minister at the New Life Assembly of God in Wellington. 
So I can't even imagine a game like Halo. Like the fact that he was able to get away with it for that long is pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm surprised. Surprised that that even got that far. Right. Both parents opposed the idea of their son playing a violent video game and it, they didn't find it appropriate for him. Mark later said he told Daniel that if he were to buy any violent video games whatsoever, he would get rid of them, which did not sit well with Daniel. Mark testified that Daniel would regularly sneak out of the house at night without either parent's knowledge or, and purchase video games that his parents didn't approve of, and he used this method to purchase the Halo 3 shortly after its release. His mother, Susan, caught him playing the game and informed Mark, which led for them to confiscate the game from Daniel going against his parents' wishes. Mark locked the game in a safe cabinet that also concealed his 9mm Taurus PT-92 handgun. Recipe for a disaster right there. Court reports stated that Daniel came up behind his parents as they were relaxing on the couch in the living room and said, would you close your eyes? I have a surprise for you. Daniel then shot both of his parents right then and there. His father said, quote, his head was numb and he saw blood pouring down from his skull. Daniel shot his mother in the head, arms, and chest, killing her instantly. In court, his father testified that after Daniel shot both of his parents, he tried to make the event look like a murder-suicide by placing the gun in his father's hand while saying to him, hey dad, here's your gun, take it. So like, imagine you're awake and your son is doing this. I would be like, this is a nightmare. Like, this isn't real. The same way Daniel would think this is a fantasy, I would think this is a nightmare if I were the parents. A few minutes later, his sister and her husband Heidi and Andrew Archer came over for their prior plans of watching a baseball game together. Daniel lied to them that they should not come in because their parents had been fighting. That's the excuse he came up with? Yep. So he didn't want them to see the bodies. He was like, oh no, they're in the middle of an argument. Like, come on, like, that's your sister. Right. Everybody has seen their parents argue. What's the big deal? Heidi called the police. Oh, wait, his sister and brother-in-law heard groaning and pushed their way through to find the aftermath of the shooting. Heidi called the police, and before they got there, Daniel made an escape attempt by driving off in the family's van with the Halo 3 game in the passenger seat. So he literally tried to escape like he was running away with his Halo game like it was his partner in crime. Like, I don't even know what to say to this. I'm like, um, yeah, right? yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Totally normal. The police caught up with him and forced him out of the van via roadblock. When the police were arresting, he yelled, my dad shot my mom. Oh, come the fuck on. Yeah. His father survived, obviously, and Daniel was charged with the crime. Less than two years after Daniel Petrick shot his father in the head and murdered his mother, Daniel's father, Reverend Mark Petrick, asked the judge to give his son a second chance instead of a harsh prison sentence. So despite being shot by his own son, and this is how you know, like, his Christian side came out, because he's not only forgiving, but he's asking for leniency, despite the fact that his son killed his wife. And tried to kill him. Yeah, and attempted to kill him. I respect the shit out of him for even caring that much. I don't know how many parents would have been like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to still stick by my kid. We've done a ton of cases where the family doesn't even talk to the the convicted. Daniel, 17, almost 18 at this time, because remember he shot his, his parents at 16, broke down in tears midway through the father's statement to Judge Birch. Quote, I know without any doubt he has severe regret, remorse, and guilt for what he did to his mother and I that evening, said Mark Petrick, reading a written statement to the judge prior to the sentencing. At time, pausing to regain his composure, Mark said his son was not a throwaway kid. He does have a conscience. Danny set an example for other young people to not get involved and do other things he did, and I believe he can do that. As Daniel began crying during his father's statement, his father struggled to describe the remorse his son had conveyed to him over the course of visitations and weekly phone calls during Daniel's 20 months of being jailed thus far. I love you, Danny, Mark said, taking a brief pause. After his father addressed the court, Daniel was given the chance to speak. He rose to his feet, appearing to be gathering composure, but unable to do so and sat down. According to Daniel's attorney, James Kersey, he said, in this instant, the video games, the playing of the video games, and the reality of shooting someone in his case was blinded. 
That addiction to withdrawal from video games to young men who have hormones raging in their system is exactly what caused Danny Petrick to do what he did, Kersey said before asking Bridge for the minimum sentence for his client. According to Assistant Prosecuting Attorney Anthony Silo, Daniel's excuse holds water because he never had the chance to play Halo 3. After sneaking out to buy the game when it first came out, it was taken away from him and locked up to the family's cabinet with the gun at their Wellington home. Quote, you cannot become addicted to something you haven't played. I don't think I agree with this. It just kind of sounds like the attorney's reaching because he's probably played Halo 1 and 2. I don't think it mattered what video game it was. He had already gotten to a point where he was playing video games 18 hours a day. So whether it was Halo 3 that he had never played or something he's or played GTA a million times, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered. Else. He mm-hmm. needed to play a video game. The murder of his mother and father was, an attempted murder of his father was supposed to play out as a murder-suicide, says the uh, district attorney, uh, who said that it had been planned by Petrick a week in advance. And I don't know where he got that number from. I couldn't, I tried to look further to see if like, yeah, like would you get a week? maybe Danny written, wrote it down or something like that. Or but I'm told not really them, sh- hey, I planned right. it for a week. They didn't really reveal it since he was underage at the time. Without the appearance of his sister and brother-in-law, CeeLo said that they would likely have another death on October 20th, 2007. I remain fearful if Danny gets out of prison and someone else takes away his new pastime, CeeLo said, before asking the judge for life without parole for Danny. His defense attorney, James Kiersey, claimed that because of the enormous amount of stress put on him due to his severe infection, Daniel was much more susceptible to being influenced by the game, which I don't, I mean, I don't know. Does staff infection include like, delusions and stuff like that i'm not really sure i think it might have affected his psyche more than anything knowing he couldn't play sports anymore i don't think it'll make you more susceptible to becoming like addicted to video games it might affect other things having to do with your brain but i just i, I don't know i don't know if i agree with that judge burge had the final word before sentencing and said he was hoping to impact the future concerning prevention of crimes relating to video game violence quote i feel confident that if there was no such thing as a violent video game i wouldn't know daniel petrick in my opinion Daniel Petrick isn't the same young man that he was on the evening he attempted to kill both his parents. He will be a different human being, I am certain, 20 years from now, he said before delivering the sentence. No jury was present at the trial. Due to his age, Daniel could not have been sentenced to death, but on December 15, 2008, Daniel was sentenced to 20 years for aggravated murder, 10 years for attempted aggravated murder, and 5 years for tampering with evidence, all to be served concurrently. He was given a 3-year firearm specification, which will be served consecutively to the 20-year prison term, In total, that is life without the possibility of parole plus 23 years. Halo 3 publishers Microsoft refused to comment on the case beyond a statement, quote, we are aware of the situation and it is a tragic case. I mean, I th- the, the crazy thing is that I think that as a kid being an active, like I I, I mean, I, I grew up playing sports and I think that if at some point I had to stop playing sports and be home all the time because of an injury, I probably would have lost my shit too because that's what I love to do. I don't know that I would have gone and murdered my parents over some shit. And not only that too, I also think looking at it now, so many kids are home right now and I don't hear about kids murdering their parents. There are tons of people that are on lockdown there are a ton of kids that aren't going to sporting events and going out and and doing social things and i'm not hearing like oh you know there's this crazy rage of teenagers that are going and doing revenge shit on their parents being addicted to to video games and killing everybody video games don't create the monster they might just bring it out i think i think he was gonna go crazy no matter what because he was suddenly in a different life and he couldn't go outside and he was just going to become addicted to something mm-hmm. and that's something, you know, that just happened to be a violent video game and maybe it did contribute or maybe it didn't. Maybe he still would have done this if he had done, none, if he had gotten addicted to something else. It's just, I wouldn't say, go as far as saying if there was no vid- violent video game, I wouldn't have known Dan. You don't know that because right. he could have just got, he, it could have just been something in his brain that was changed the moment that he was home all the time. I always think everything is a case by case basis. Like, I don't it's- understand this whole 
you know, I understand they say like, you know, justice is blind, but you need to also take a peek at the people behind there and the circumstances and the situations and their mentality and like who they are psychologically. All these things I think factor in. So that's just my personal opinion. There's no medical backup as far as I know to, to say that. But I just think everybody's different and each case yeah, has to be absolutely. looked at differently. Each case is different. This next case is insane too. Like, I mean, I had to put it in the middle because it was just so upsetting to me. And of course, this Thanks case- Thanks for not making it first or last. <laughs> and this case, of course, is from Florida. Of course it is. We've given Florida a break though. So yeah. it's a, it was time. Yeah, it's time. But this is from Jacksonville.com. And this is about a woman named Alexandra Tobias. And a lot of this case can be seen if you are or were friends with Alexandra Tobias on Facebook. And that's what's crazy. And a comparatively innocent, non-violent game called Farmville. So you would think it's I Facebook and Farmville. Farmville. Facebook I never played it, but I, I knew exactly, I know what Farmville is. I just never played it, but I it's very similar to, to what I'm playing right now. I'm playing Animal Crossing and you make your own little island and stuff. I know what it is. Yeah, thank you for saying it because I've been off Facebook for years. I had no idea, but like, I, I mean, I, I went- You made I, like your own little farm and I stuff. know. Well, when I looked into this case, obviously, I, know, I knew what it was, but I didn't know like, you know, comparatively how I can compare it to now. So, because again, I'm not a gamer. To get you hooked, other than posting what your friends have posted on Facebook and in- addition to sponsored posts, Facebook increases your sources of entertainment by allowing you to play games. To get you hooked, they even allow you to flaunt your progress to your friends and compete with them. Well, in October 2010, Alexandra was playing Farmville, a very popular game online, and she got so addicted that she apparently forgot all her responsibilities, including, are you ready for this? Her infant son. What? Her attention was taken to reality when her son cried out of hunger because, I mean, you ignore a kid for four or five, six hours, they're going to be hungry. They're newborns. You ignore me for like four or five hours. I'm yeah. Gonna get hungry and, and, and infants are supposed to be fed every what, four hours, something like that. Of course. No after, idea, but I'm pretty sure it's often. Totally. Yeah. In turn, responded by killing him. Sure. That's totally yeah. rational. The day before she murdered her infant son with her bare hands in her Jacksonville home, Alexandra Tobias took a personality test on the internet that cast a grim viewpoint in an unsophisticated tone. The results posted to her Facebook labeled her as a bipolar with a passage that read, quote, way to go, you crazy person. You are too much for any one person to handle, including yourself. The next day, three-month-old Dylan Lee Edmondson was dying of head injuries as investigators, doctors, and Duval County jail inmates and even family members began spotting a, a pattern of lies to cover up her ugly truth. Alexandra, then 22, a Wolfson High School graduate who wanted to go to college and had a generally good reputation as a parent, started playing a game Farmville. Farmville, an agricultural simulation social network game developed and published by Zengun 2009. In the game, users act as virtual farmers harvesting crops and raising cattle. The Farmville Facebook page says that the game has nearly 60 million active users. It was the most popular Facebook game ever created. Miss Tobias found this more important than taking care of her baby. The young man, the young mom called paramedics after he stopped breathing. He was taken to a hospital with a head injury and a broken leg. Doctors said the infant died from abusive head trauma. Tobias initially told police the child hit his head and stopped breathing after the dog knocked him off the couch. So this bitch tried to blame her dog. After some pressing and contradicting evidence, the truth was revealed. Alexandra told investigators that she had shaken the baby while playing, smoked a cigarette to compose herself, and then shook him again. She said the baby may have hit his head during the shaking. So she was shaking this three-month-old so violently. Everyone knows you don't, si you don't shake any kid ever, especially when their heads are disproportionate to their body. But she was so enraged that the kid needed to eat that she shook this baby, smoked a cigarette, 
and did it again. Alexandra had confessed to killing her infant son and decided not to go to trial. Instead, on October 27, 2010, she pled guilty to second-degree murder charges. Alexandra told the judge she was suffering from postpartum depression, but she wants to go back to the good person she was before killing. I hate myself for what I did, but not for who I am, Alexandra said. Her friends and family describe her as a fun-loving, albeit somewhat mischievous child who grew up into a respectable woman. <laughs> okay. Life dealt her with some tough knocks. She'd found her mother dead in 2008. She told a psychologist she had been raped at a younger age. Her plan was to go to college, but she was set back when she got pregnant. She and Edmondson were on, so the baby's father, were in an on-again, off-again relationship that became so intense, both were arrested for domestic violence several weeks even before the baby's death. Still, nobody close to her could believe she would take her frustrations out on the baby. Before her hearing, letters in Alexandra's handwriting show that the young mother tried to socialize herself in jail as, she, as if she'd been a temporary occupant. There was a point when she thought she'd beat the charges. She laughs and she colors. I mean, she's got her coloring pencils and they sit around, you know, it's just like a home for girls. It's a fun time and it's not, says Lois Hay, a fellow inmate who, deposed, who was deposed in, a, in the case by assistant state attorney Rich Manty. Hay said at one point, Tobias told inmates she shook the baby and smashed his head off her computer monitor. But she would always change the story to blame the abuse on her boyfriend, her mo his mother, and even her dog. She later told psychologists she blacked out to try to cover up her confession to police, but she was snared as prosecu prosecutors were given a phone call she made from the jail, calling it a lie. I had a son named Dylan Lee, but he passed away on January 20th, 2010, reads a letter she wrote to a male inmate she was trying to court romantically. So this bitch was on trial for killing her kid and was still trying to find a boo in prison. I have no words. Yeah. They're trying to charge me with my son's death and child abuse. Now, I don't expect- They're you trying to charge me as if they don't have a fucking reason to charge you. This is what she wrote in a letter and it was found. This is- You're in prison, bitch. You're sitting there bragging. You don't have any freedom you there. Have, they go through all of your and mail. And you have no friends. Who are you trusting? You have no one you can trust. They're all criminals too. Of course, they're going to try to throw you under the bus to help their cases. Like, people are stupid when they go to jail. But this is- I mean, this woman is clearly- Something's wrong with her, period. But- And to continue- now, I don't expect you to understand, but I really can't talk about it. But I can tell you I'm in here for the wrong reasons. No, you're in there for exactly the right fucking Actually, reason. Actually, she's right. She shouldn't have been there for second degree. She should be in there for first. Prosecutors said Alexandra called the baby's father before she called 911 to report her son had stopped breathing. She's hysterical in the recording as she tries to collect herself to follow the dispatcher's instructions on the mouth-to-mouth -mouth and chest compressions as the rescue squad is en route. Psychologist Stephen Bloomfield testified that Tob Tobias took Xanax without a prescription the morning of the baby's death. He explained that the anti-anxiety drug could exaggerate downward mood swings for depressives. Prosecutors zeroed in on the Facebook page when they realized it was the likely background of the baby's death. Screen captures had become part of the file case that showed Tobias oh, used the social right. networking site often. Alexandra had kept a profile for Dylan Lee as well. New Year's Day postings showed he was 12 pounds and 22 inches tall. A month before she killed her son, detectives said Tobias joined a Facebook advocacy group against baby shaking did she really all this over farmville so here's my thing with this right so the last story they blamed the fact that he got addicted to a violent video game farmville's not violent so what was the excuse here mm -hmm. she was just a violent person because she had already gotten arrested for domestic violence so this was her the day before she killed her kid she took one of those personality tests that put her down as bipolar and she takes a xanax the same morning she kills her kid this is why i was like this is the one i'm gonna put in the middle because even though this is based around a video game this is also a this is when I defend video games because this is a bullshit excuse. Like, don't sit there and say, oh, I was depressed and 
Farmville was saving me and then I heard my responsibility crying and I killed it. That's the biggest crock of shit of all this time. This is less a game a gamer turning into a murderer and more like someone who murdered somebody and happened to be playing a video game because it it contributed nothing to her to her headspace. Like she was already losing you her shit. You nailed it right there. Nailed and it. maybe she did have postpartum depression. It is possible. But then own up to it. You're sitting in jail with your fucking coloring pencils trying to get a boyfriend and being like, oh, I, I hate what I did, but I don't hate who I am as a person. I hate who, I hate who you are as a yeah, person. Yeah, you should because hate you, yourself. Because before you killed your son, you were already a horrible person. As I get older, I know all of my friends, close family members that have tried to conceive that would kill to have a healthy, beautiful child. And people like this do this to their kids. If you don't want your children, don't have them. Give them up. Don't do this to a living thing. And this is why I tell people who like constantly ask me about like not wanting kids and stuff i'm like don't worry about whether or not i want to have children because i've made the decision not to have them for a reason and it's better that i don't bring someone into this world that i don't want why don't you go worry about mothers like this who bring children into this world and then do shit like this worry about that because obviously she was not she shouldn't have been a mother nope so this is actually my final one and this i found on complex.com This final case I'm going to bring up is scary in that the victim was innocently playing a popular game for a year and was murdered. It was senseless, unexplained, and is still unsolved. Calvin Riley was born and raised in Lowell, Massachusetts, along with his two younger siblings. He enjoyed playing sports, hanging out with his friends, and spending time with his family. Calvin's drive and determination made him an outstanding baseball player in high school. In fact, he was so good that he and his family moved to San Francisco where they believed he would have a greater opportunity to succeed in the sport. I don't know people that would uproot their entire family unless they know for sure that that kid's got promise. Yeah, that they're going to get some sort of contract or something. Totally. So this is serious. There, he attended Junipero Serra High School in San Mateo and eventually was recruited to play baseball at San Joaquin Delta College as a pitcher for the Mustangs. Calvin's head coach, Reed Peters, described him as having an infectious East Coast personality, Irish kid, just fun to be around, always smiling. His coach, friends, and family believe that the young athlete's light was just beginning. He was attending a college that had produced seven MLB draft picks, and it was beginning to look like his own baseball aspirations were on track to becoming a reality. I think his best years were ahead of him, Peter said. Unfortunately, those childhood dreams of becoming a pro baseball player came to a tragic end on August 6, 2016, when he was just 20 years old. That night, Calvin and his friends went to the San Francisco Aquatic Park to play Pokemon Go. For those who may oh, not... I, oh, I don't even want to admit how much I play Pokemon <laughs> For those Go. who may not know it or don't remember, this is an augmented reality app that uses a mobile app's GPS to locate and capture Pokemon. And this was at the height of its popularity. Like 2016, I remember everyone like posting pictures I of their Pokemon. there was one time that I went to Central Park thinking, oh, let's go to Central Park. We can catch more Pokemon. And I cannot tell you, all adults running around Central Park trying to catch the same Pokemon. And I'm talking about like hundreds of grown ass adults. It's pretty hilarious. I was already 30 at this point. Like, Well, I mean, because we grew up with Pokemon. So for us, it was like going back to your childhood. And, and, and it's weird because all of a sudden, like people were up and like doing something active in a video game. As a matter of fact, I walked because I live by the water. So I walked by, you know, where I live, Caesars Bay by the water. And I ran into Johnny. And you know, Johnny doesn't live anywhere near here, a friend of ours. From the other side of Brooklyn came all the way here to play Pokemon Go. It was, <laughs> it was he, like ran into him. I'm like, dude, I live here. You don't live here. What are you doing here? And he's like, we're playing Pokemon Go. Oh my like, gosh, Because certain hilarious. areas had like the water Pokemon and it was by the water. So people 
literally traveled just to go play this. It's so funny you say that because here it says aquatic park was the perfect place for players to explore and a large group have gathered there at night because it was the same thing right by the water. A, the big and you park, got the water Pokemon and there's spot. certain Pokemon that came out at night and not during the day. So like craziness. And a very innocent game. Everyone was doing it this at this time. But despite noticing someone suspiciously watching them from the top of the hill without playing the video game, Calvin and his friend continued on playing the game with everyone else. So there's like a group of people. Someone's watching. I was I never downloaded this. I watched other people playing and stuff like that. I used to watch, but like I'm not going to like creepily watch you over the hill. I'm going to like be next to you or be like, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, like a social. Like most of the time people looked just to see if you were like looking like you caught something. But it wasn't creepy. They were playing the game and... Even if they weren't, I would never assume that there was something wrong with them because I'm like, we're playing Pokemon. Right. What could you possibly be like? But doing? also factor this in. It was dark. So like, how can right. you be watching? But their focus was primarily on their phone. So they never got like a clear look of right, who it was. Right, because you really just look at your phone while walking trying to figure out where the Pokemon is. So at some point, Calvin got a little ahead of his friend and walked around the corner with his other friend following shortly behind. As his friend reached the corner, he heard a loud gunshot and watched as Calvin fell to the ground with a bullet in his back. He never saw his killer approaching. There was no confrontation or exchange of words. So he just walked up to him and shot him. Well, he turned the corner. All of a sudden, there was a gunshot and he saw his friend go down in the middle of playing Pokemon Go. The unknown assailant simply came up and shot Calvin in the back. He died instantly. The suspect then quickly fled the scene and got into a car. Police believe the man Calvin and his friend saw earlier that night was the one who shot him. Other people at the park reported seeing the same man standing on a hill about 20 feet from where they were playing. The police have yet to release a possible motive but have ruled out robbery as calvin's phone and wallet were left untouched no suspects have been named at this time and the case remains unsolved there is a hundred and ten thousand dollar reward for information leading to the arrest of the those responsible there are currently two vehicles of interest a 2006 to 2009 dark colored audi a3 wagon and a 2013 white van of some kind so Poor kid playing with his friends innocently. Like, there's nothing more innocent than playing a video game And now game in this publicly. story, it's not even the gamer who's doing it. So what was your excuse? You just didn't like someone playing a game? My only suspicion is this was some kind of competitor. Like, someone in the baseball game or something. Maybe someone that felt threatened by him. Because It had to be someone who maybe... There yeah, was a group of people was. there. Why just shoot that one kid? Like, why... Unless this was just a random serial killer. Like, why pick the specific person out of everybody that was there? The yeah, so many people saw you that night. What out of all of the people you were looking at made you choose this one kid? Right. It's it's still a mystery. Unsolved. No one knows. And this what this happened 2016. So it's been four years. It'll be four years in four in years, you can't figure out a goddamn thing. And you know what it is? It's a murder that wasn't connected to anything. It's almost a, it's a weirdly like the perfect crime. Dark, shoot, drive away. And nobody was paying attention. It's like the person knew to do that because I can tell you again, nobody's paying attention. Everybody's staring at their phone because they're looking mm -hmm. for the fucking Pokemon. Yep. So for all you gamers out there, have fun. Don't lose touch with reality. And once in a while, reset. So... Before we shot this episode, Christy has become Vicky with her backup episodes. And she's like, oh, gamer deaths. And I'm like, oh, yeah, do that. That should be interesting. And I figured it wouldn't creep me out. <laughs> but it did. I mean, you know, I didn't want to. Especially because, I, you know, I'm going to go play my Switch right after this. And I'm going to be like, don't lose touch with reality. My whole thing is, and, and I disagree with the whole violent thing because I grew up playing video games. I'm not a violent person. There's not a lot of evidence. There's a lot of contradictory evidence that shows this is good or bad. But again, I think it's about your your psyche and your ability yeah, it's about to be able to control Some people things. just have but i liked what i love these cases particularly because a lot of these a lot of cases that i've heard about gamer deaths are just 
oh, he played Grand Theft Auto and he went and shot things up. These are all different circumstances. And different types of game, violent and non-violent. Non-violent, violent games. Somebody that was innocently doing it. Somebody that murdered their family member. Like they're all, there are so many different things that happen that are related to gaming. So I think it's just, a, it's very one-sided to look at things and just say, oh no, this creates violence. Violent, yeah, violent video games make killers. Yeah. Right. It's- these are two of these people that were victims the little the innocent the infant son and calvin were innocent people and and they were killed during non-violent games so how is it that violent games are the only ones creating killers they're obviously not right there's there's many reasons behind it but i just thought that the the cases were interesting enough to put into some kind of format they certainly were <laughs> and i guess we're gonna pick on florida a little bit Woo-hoo! because my who, my who does that is let's from florida. do it who does that who does that? Who does that? Who, Who does, does that? that? From the favorite Huff Post, and I thought that this is funny for more than one reason, and it's because I feel like we can all relate to this right now. Florida judge begs lawyers get dressed for Zoom hearings. What? Which is something that one of the <laughs> one of the things that I have told people about why I refuse to get on Zoom meetings for work is because I don't want to get dressed for it, and apparently neither do lawyers. That's so bad. Like we've all gotten so lazy that people that dress up professionally for a living every day don't want to do it. That's and the hilarious. thing is, there's and That's when like I the first read this, no I'm pants. like. <laughs> right so i'm like all right well you could just wear like a nice top and like crap pants like right. you could be in your underwear but wear a shirt like are they not doing this and the answer is no dennis bailey griped that one male lawyer appeared shirtless during a meeting what? while a female attorney stayed in bed at least get up and get out get of bed. out and put a shirt on at the very least i I at least do that. My laziness is to a new level, but I still get out of bed and I still put a shirt Granted, on. Granted, I don't wear a bra, but I have a shirt on. Right. I definitely have worn a bra maybe twice this whole 70-day quarantine. Every time I've stepped out of the house with a bra on, I immediately come in and I'm like, oh God, I got to take this off. I can't. It's, it's hard. It's going to be hard to go back to wearing a bra. It really is going to be tough. It's going to be a challenge. I don't know. I might be sports braing from yeah. now on. But I at least still put on shirt and I still get out of bed. And you're I do not, not talking bed. to a judge, which is like the highest right. if, court of all time. I make sure that my hair is brushed just to make sure Christy's not looking at a big nest on my head. I can imagine if I was talking to a judge, I might still dress up and put makeup on. Seriously. But not in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where a Florida judge has one request for attorney showing up to court hearings via zoom court hearings this is not just they're still doing court just via zoom get out of bed and put on some clothes Broward circuit judge dennis bailey made the plea in a letter published by the western bar association so that's super fucking embarrassing (laughs) quote it is remarkable how many attorneys appear inappropriately on camera bailey said in the letter one male lawyer appeared shirtless and one female attorney appeared still in bed still under the covers bailey isn't making any exceptions for lawyers lounging in the florida sunshine either Putting on a beach cover-up won't cover up your poolside in a bathing suit. Seriously, though. He's not lying about that. Yeah, since courthouses shut down on March 16th to help slow the coronavirus pandemic, Broward County's judicial system has held about 1,200 Zoom meetings involving some 14,000 participants, WPLG-TV reported. Bailey, for one, said he won't hold a complicated trial over the video conferencing site given the technology shortcomings. Quote, often lawyers are not looking at their screens, but down at their files, their outlines and notes are simply out the window and cannot see the judges hollering, stop, stop, because an objection has been made and the audio stays with the witness rather than obeying the judge, he said. Put on some clothes, people. I'm sorry, if you are a lawyer making $250 to stay at home already, minimally, you could afford a shirt. You can put on a shirt. shirt. <laughs> Listen, I know it's hard during quarantine. I'm dead broke and I still get dressed, okay? Right. 
Christy actually looks really cute today. <laughs> to be fair, this is a the brunch dress I wore to Vicky's birthday last year, her birthday brunch last year. And it's only because it's laundry day and I haven't had a chance to do laundry. But she still put it on because technically Christy and I have no secrets. If she wanted to sit there naked, I, it would yeah, be fine with me. But <laughs> she still put on some clothes. And I know it's really hard during quarantine, but we can never let ourselves get to the point where we just don't give a fuck to that. Because you will have to eventually see these people again. And I'm pretty sure nobody wants to remember you. Yeah. And I can't even imagine like if this was like an old attorney. Ugh, like I, How would you know. like I would personally be so embarrassed to show up in court in a couple of months and remember we got to remember attorneys are real people we see all these sexy lawyers on tv like this is probably yeah, not, not a hot sexy. lawyer i've never seen a sexy lawyer in real life <laughs> so my whole thing is like wouldn't you be embarrassed showing up humiliated in, court in a couple humiliated. of months and the the judge is just looking at you like dude i still see you with your shirt and off. my like, thing is is like zoom i'm assuming that they're recording this for you know record purposes right. You're, right. They're going to so see now you, you have, shirtless like, forever. Like, don't you realize this is permanent? I understand we're comfortable, but we still have to hold our own. If you were my attorney, I would file a judgment and be like, my attorney didn't even put a shirt on. So you need to vacate whatever. Or I'd be like me. half off discount because you're not even going through the motions. Like you're not even give me a discount on this because you're getting in trouble with the judge, which is not helpful for my case. And you're not even fucking getting dressed. You're doing the same thing I'm doing, except you're just you're right. talking to a judge for 10 minutes. That's it. But I also think I would prefer a lazy attorney that didn't put a shirt on over one that's just going to throw in my face at their poolside. That is true. Like, don't rub it in my face in my little New York City apartment that you're fucking poolside. Assholes. Well, you know, most lawyers are scumless, soulless bastards. So, you know, just go. Sorry sh- if you're a lawyer that's not a scumless, soulless bastard. This just further proves that. And to top it off, you just sprinkle in that Florida. I'm not shocked at all. But they really had like, that's why I was when I saw it, I was like, of course, it was Flor- a Florida judge who had to tell you all to put your fucking clothes on because I know a couple of people who are lawyers in New York and they're always complaining about how their top is completely dressed up in like their suit and then their bottom isn't. And I'm like, they got dressed for work. You get dressed for work. What can you do? We hope you liked it. I really liked it because this is something different. I'm glad that we've been experimenting and doing different things in a in this season now's the time like subscribe i know that it's hard to listen when you're home but i promise it's worth it we hope you enjoyed this episode and most importantly stay weird americas bye Bye.